Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Golden State Memphis last night. Man, that was a playoff game now. And I mean a playoff game. It had everything. It had an ejection. Broken bones. Blood. F-bombs. Flipping off the crowd. A superstar going supernova at just the right time. Before that game, I think pretty much everybody involved knew it could get pretty chippy. Steve Kerr said before the game he knew it would be very physical. Well, he was not wrong. You didn't have to wait that long to see something happen. Less than three minutes in, Gary Payton II was on a break, and Dylan Brooks absolutely jacked him up from behind. Payton, right down the middle, he's fouled hard. And Payton's in pain. He's grabbing the left arm. Brooks got there late with the swipe, and he clubbed him on the side of the head. And what you look at is an unprotected player in the air. Not that he did it on purpose to hurt him, but once you're in the air and now you swipe at the ball, that causes this kind of damage. Foul the floor has been upgraded to a flagrant foul penalty, too, for wind-up, impact, and follow-through to the head. While the player was prone to injury, Dylan Brooks will be ejected from the game. Flagrant two, Brooks is done. Less than three minutes into the first quarter. Exactly. Textbook. Wind-up. Impact. Follow through, defenseless player, everything. Brooks was not playing the ball. He was playing Peyton's head. So he got ejected. The only wild thing about that was that the refs took any bit of time reviewing it because that was pretty obvious. They needed to review that in order to run him. That was as flagrant a flagrant two as you're ever going to see. And the Warriors, as you might imagine, were pissed, and rightfully so. Kerr was heard yelling, quote, get the F out of here, Brooks. Get the F out of here, Brooks. And I get it, because that was not a basketball play. That was a hatchet job. No wonder they were pissed. And that's before they found out that Peyton had a broken elbow as a result of that play and is now out for who knows how long. And then Kerr, of course, was not done talking about it. I don't know if it was intentional, but it, it, it was dirty. There's a code in this league. There's a code that players follow where you, you never put a guy's season slash career in jeopardy by taking somebody out in midair and clubbing him across the head, ultimately fracturing Harry's elbow. He broke the code. Dylan Brooks broke the code. I respect that. It's true. He absolutely broke the code. There was intent. I'm not saying that the intent was to break Peyton's elbow, but the intent was to send a message early to cause a problem. And he then went about carrying it out, and he carried it out terribly. Man, that, that's not professional. That was a hatchet job. And don't come in here and try and tell me that it was a basketball play or that that's just tough playoff basketball or that that was in any way similar to Draymond's flagrant two. Last night's hammer job underlined just how absurd Draymond's flagrant two was. Draymond was face up on a guy. He was not coming up from behind on a defenseless player in midair. And Brandon Clark is still playing in this series, while Peyton is probably done for the series, and probably even longer than that. Brooks is looking at a a suspension, which he'll deserve. 
But see, that was not even the end of it. In fact, 14 seconds after Peyton hit the floor, Draymond went down as well. Curry tries to give it up for Green. He gets hit in the face and he's down. Morant trying to take the baseline and they turn it over and Green is still down. Draymond Green going for the loose ball here. He took an elbow from Tillman. So as Green was walking off the floor to get stitched up, the crowd was getting on him, so he flipped him off. And I love it. As if you needed any further proof that this guy's not going to change nor lose his edge. And he sure as hell was not about to apologize for any of it afterwards either. You're going to boo somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood, you should get flipped off. So I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. But it felt really good to flip them off. So if they're going to, if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. I'm assuming the cheers was because they know I'll get fined. Great, I make $25 million a year. I should be just fine. <laughs> this dude's the best. Hell yes. Hell yes, I flipped him off. And quote, it felt really good to flip them off. And no, he's not going to sweat that fine. He knows the fine is coming. He just doesn't care because in his words, he makes 25 mil a year. He'll be just fine. Or quote, I'll do an appearance and I'll make up the money. Go do an appearance and make up the money. This dude's a boss. Hey, Kyrie. Are you taking notes? Part-timer. That's how you handle that. You don't do some cute behind-the-head bird and then try to get all philosophical about embracing the darkness or whatever crap you were spewing in Boston. You hit everybody with the double guns as you walk off the floor and then say you'll happily pay the fine. That's why you're not cut out for this stuff, Kyrie, but Draymond is built for it. Despite Golden State losing Peyton for the night and Draymond for a while and shooting it terribly and turning it over 20 times, they still had a look at ripping that game on the road. That is until Ja Morant went to a level that only Ja Morant can get to. 47 points, 18 in the fourth quarter when his team had to have it. In fact, he had the final 15 for Memphis and he did it with blurred vision in an eye. These numbers are crazy. He's just the third player in NBA history with multiple 45-point playoff games before turning 23. The only other two guys to do that, Le GM and Kobe. And that's the territory that Jaw jumped into last night. But even that does not begin to do it justice because the guy does so many things physically that just don't make sense. Like he's made of plastic or liquid metal or something. This dude's out there squeezing through and around guys like the T-1000. And then without Peyton there to slow him down, he just goes to work and just casually begins to destroy the laws of physics by doing stuff like this. Morant, hesitation move, spins in the lane, hangs, banks, scores. How did he do it? He hung in the air for an eternity and banks it home. Wow. Nine seconds. I mean, I don't know. How did he do that? In fact, how did he do this? One-on-one with Curry. Morant, back in, spin. And then he dropped my fellow cat lover, Jordan Poole, with this. Morant sizing up Wiggins. Switch. Now he's got Poole. Under two minutes to go. The shake. So you're going to tell me that Jaw is the most improved player in the league this season. Man, get out of here with that crap. It's almost an insult. 
He's the most improved player. This guy's way too big of a star to simply be most improved. You should be looking at him as an MVP, not an MIP. He didn't just win that game. He kept their season alive and did so almost single-handedly. You lose that game. You go down 0-2 after losing twice at home. And that series is already over even before they get on the airplane. But Jaw dragged them over the line. So a nice win for Memphis, but that's where I'm going to stop. Just a nice win for Memphis. See, my concern with them is they're young. They're still trying to figure it out. They should have put that game away early on, just like they should have put away game one. They shouldn't need Jaw to go superhero to win that game. Not the way Golden State was playing last night. Not when they lost Peyton. Not when they lost Draymond for a time. What I'm saying is I know that Jaw is built for this. I know that Jaw is ready for the moment. I'm just not sure that the rest of his team is just yet. I mean, yes, he can win a playoff game all by himself but not a series all by himself, not against Golden State. And unless some of his not-quite-as-ready-for-the-moment teammates go out there and break a few more elbows, then they're not going to advance. He may even have three more games like that in him in this series, but I know that Golden State is not going to play that badly again, not once, let alone three times. The series is violent. It is entertaining, but it's definitely Golden State's to lose, and they're not going to. I'll tell you something else. Getting lost in everything, after the Dylan Brooks flagrant two, Gary Payton II stayed in and made a free throw on a fractured elbow. I don't know about you. I'm not turning a doorknob the whole day when I sleep on my arm the wrong way. Great story. You hate to see it end like that. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I hate to see that happen. Back in February, Gary came on this program, and we talked about the challenging times, the dark times, and how much adversity he's had to overcome to be in the spot he's in right now. It felt like an impossible task. You know, when I started late in high school, prep school, junior college, two years at Oregon State, and then, you know, spent five, six years in the G League, you know, just uh, people telling you no just over and over again. Of course, I had doubts, you know fears that you know I wouldn't be able to you know accomplish what I put all this work into and just continue to grind get told no go back in the gym work on what they're telling me to work on and then come back to my next opportunity and you know try to prove and show that I deserve and I can hang in this league see that's why you never want to see something like that number one you never want to see something like that because Steve Kerr said there is a code a code among players you don't do that you don't club a guy midair who's defenseless and put their season or their career in jeopardy. You just don't do it, period. Damn, buddy. Dylan Brooks but broke the code. Especially disappointing when you see it happen to a guy like that who's so important to them and who's gone through what he's gone through to put him in his, himself in a position to be that important to them. So you hate to see that. I think he'll be fine ultimately – But who knows when he comes back? Ultimately, he should be fine. Now, I'm not sure I can say that about that idiot who ran up on stage to attack Dave Chappelle. Did you check that guy out? By the time Jamie Foxx, Buster Rhymes, and security got through with this jack wagon, it looked like they had ripped his arm off completely and glued it back on backwards. Have you seen this picture? 
I mean, dang, bro. Hope that was worth it. But given that your arm is totally reversed like a backwards Lego arm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Hey, guys, why don't we talk about something that you probably don't think about very often, but you should. Skincare. Skincare can be complicated, especially for men who have never had a skincare routine. That's where Tiege Hanley comes in. Tiege Hanley is a men's skincare company that helps guys start and maintain a healthy skincare routine by making the process uncomplicated. Every box comes with an instruction card. Every box comes with an instruction card that tells you when to use each product, how much to use, and in what order. It's that simple. In fact, you know what? Start with the level one system because that is the easiest way to get it going. And it comes with all of the basics that guys need to take care of their skin. The products included are a face wash, an exfoliating scrub, an AM moisturizer, and a PM moisturizer. A daily face wash to get rid of the dirt and grime on your skin. And two times per week, exfoliating scrub to get rid of the dead skin cells. Plus, the AM Moisturizer rules and the PM Moisturizer helps your skin stay hydrated and healthy throughout the entire night. I love it. Now I've got a plan. Now I've got a process. Now I've got a product. And you should too. And especially right now because Tiege Hanley is sponsoring this episode and they're offering an amazing deal. Just go to Tiege.com slash Rome and you'll get 30% off your first box plus a free gift. That's T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. An amazing deal. Tiege dot com slash Rome. Brandon Staley is my guest. Brandon, good to have you back. How are you? Jim, great to be with you, man. It is great to have you here. All right, so last year the team went with offensive tackle Rashawn Slater in the first round. He's proved out to be an absolute stud. What did you see in Zion Johnson that made you feel like he was the right guy for you in the first round? You know, Jim, a lot of similarities between Zion and Rashawn. Um, rugged, tough, athletic, a lot of smarts, um, position versatility, and then really premium production. And I think you saw at Boston College, um, you know, he was a first-team All-American. Then at the Senior Bowl, he really lit it up, uh, went inside and snapped. He played all three positions at Boston College, tackle guard and center, in a pro-style system with Frank Signetti and then his line coach, uh, just went to the Miami Dolphins as their line coach. So he's been well-trained. And, you know, Jim, this guy's got one of these awesome stories, too. Started at Davidson, Steph Curry, um, you know, and then he transfers to Boston College. And um, just a really, you know, impressive guy. He's got real presence, just like Rashawn did. Um, and uh, we're excited to, to build an offensive line, um, you know, like we are. All right, so in terms of the offensive line, you know, there's so much talk, Brandon, about passing and how wide open the game is right now. But if a team does not have that offensive line and does not have those guys who can set that tone up front, is there any way to make up for that? Like, can you scheme around that, or is there just no way to fake it? And either you have a great line or you don't. You know what, Jim? I think that uh, it's probably the second thing. I think it's really hard to execute against the best people you play if you're not good up front on either side of the football. And you can have a lot of scheme that can maybe compensate for that, Jim. But when you overcompensate, you're going to limit your playmaking ability on both sides of the ball. And I think that sometimes, you know, like on, on the offensive line specifically, if you're always having to protect your line, well, then you're getting less receivers out in the route. 
for Justin to throw to. Um, if you are always having to protect your line in the run game, um, you know, and they know that you're going to run to a certain side or that's the strength of your team, then, you know, you're going to become predictable. And we really wanted to be a balanced football team, um, you know, on offense. And I think that Zion really gives us that ability. And then when you think about playing quarterback, it's really hard to play if there's people directly in your face, you know, and we think that Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, and Zion Johnson, that that's a really impressive trio. And, um, you know, I think it really uh, bodes well for, for Justin Herbert and our skilled players. Yeah, Brandon, talking about guys being in your face, let me flip that on its head. I bring that up because you made a deal for a familiar face in Cleo Mack. How fired up were you to make that move, and then what does he bring to this team? Well, Jim, I, I know that you've been covering him for a lot of years now, and this guy, you know, he means a lot to me. I certainly wouldn't be the head coach of the Chargers without him. Um, you know, our year together was really special, um, and, you know, I, th- I saw him transform a defense in Chicago, really transform a football team. We trade for him a week before the season, um, sign him to a record-breaking deal, and, you know, if he doesn't miss two games that year, he's probably the defensive player of the year. Um, you know, he was a first-team All-Pro that year, and I just really saw what he did um, for our defense there, and I, I really felt like if you team him up with a Joey Bosa up front, you're going to be able to rush the passer when it's winning time at a high level. Um, but more importantly than that is that this guy's a complete edge defender, Jim. I mean, this guy is rugged, tough. He's a playmaker. He's a ball producer. Um, you know, he's a fierce competitor. And I wanted to have this Derwin James guy joined up, you know, with, with someone like him on game day up front. You know, and I feel like Khalil really brings that to the table. He's got that special way about him. Um, and I think he's going to be great for our whole football team. And, um, you know, I definitely think he's going to add a lot to our team. And then, Brandon, one last thing. You signed Bryce Callahan yesterday. Personally, I really like that move, especially if he's good and healthy physically. More importantly, though, what do you like about that and what's he bring to the secondary? You know what, Jim, this guy's calm at the game. You know, when, when you play the nickel spot for us, um, you know, you need to be calm because there's a lot of action happening inside in the run game and in the pass game. You know, most of the passing game is inside the numbers. Uh, the slot defender is like a starter now. You're playing five DBs or more, you know, almost seven out of ten snaps in the NFL, regardless of what system you play. Uh, and you just saw that in the NFL draft there was a record number of receivers taken in the, you know, the first two rounds. And so um, the passing game's where it's at in the league. And Bryce, you know, Jim, when we were in 2018 and we had the number one defense in the NFL in Chicago, Bryce was having a as good of a season as anybody in pro football at the nickel spot. And then, you know, Vic brought him to Denver. Um, you know, he had this foot thing, you know, a surgery that where the screw kind of went wrong and he missed our first year in Denver. But then, you know, last year they were a top five defense and, and Bryce was right in the middle of that. And I just have a lot of confidence in him. Our defensive coordinator, Ronaldo Hill, was his secondary coach in Denver. And he just brings that, that, that winning pedigree. He knows what it looks like. Um, and so when you're able to bring guys like Khalil Mack, like a Bryce Callahan, you get Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Troy Reader, you onboard guys like that to, to the, the group that you already have, then now, now you're talking about a, a real defense, and that's what we're hoping to be this year. My man, that's how you maximize the conversation. He is the head coach of the LA Chargers, entering his second year with the team. Nine and eight last season. I think they got much better in the offseason. They took Zion Johnson in the first round. Their head coach is Brandon Staley. Brandon, wish we had more time, but great to have you on. Thanks so much for doing that, and it's good to get caught up. Jim, you're the best man. Talk soon.
The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400 HP Nissan Z. Or, for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person, then hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And, for something more electric, there's the stylish Nissan Aria. So, let's enjoy the ride. 2023 RNZ not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for 2023Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Rashad White is my guest. Rashad, really nice to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Thanks good. for having me on. Great, man. Great to have you. So it's been a couple of days since you got that phone call from Tampa Bay. I'm always curious. Go back to Friday. What's the moment like when the phone rings? Did it feel the way you expected it would? Um, yeah, um, it was kind of, it was surreal. Uh, it was just like kind of all the videos that you, you know, have seen in the past and uh, the same conversation with the coaches and, and things like that in the gym, Mr. White, and, you know, them just telling you you're going to be a Buccaneer and they want you to be a Buccaneer. And, and then, you know, your family, you have all the emotions and, and the excitement and their feelings in the back of you here you take the phone call it's just awesome it's just a blessing Rashad White joining us you know it's one thing to get that call it's one thing to get drafted into the NFL but then being drafted is one thing but getting drafted by a team that won the Super Bowl less than a year ago won 13 games last season you also know that Tom Brady did not come out of retirement just to be mediocre so how much more extra motivation do you have knowing that you're coming to a team that's looking to compete for a Super Bowl right now uh, well, my motivation is it never changed. That's the same for uh, what goes I got and the expectations I put on myself. But uh, like you said, it's just awesome um, to play with the greatest player of all time. Um, and obviously the coaching staff that Tampa Bay has, um, like you said, was in the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl less than a year ago. And um, last year was so close uh, away from beating the Rams who, you know, won the Super Bowl. It was it's, it's just been a blessing. You know that you walk into a great situation and, and that I have a great opportunity ahead of me. And, you know, it's, it's about what I what I make of, of the opportunity. Rashad White's joining us. He's a running back for the Bucks. You know, in terms of what you bring to it, GM Jason Light was saying that your receiving skills are a big reason why you were drafted. So how much pride do you take in the fact that you're a back who can impact the game both as a runner and a receiver? I take a lot of pride in that. Um, I just naturally take a uh, pride in being a back that can do everything. Uh, I'm a type of competitor, a type of guy, playmaker, um, that I don't want to be taken off the off the field uh, for a weakness in my game. So I make sure I don't have no holes in my game, no weakness. And um, I do everything to the best of my ability. And the receiving part of it is, you know, a great aspect. Um, just things like that, getting up to catch the ball at the backfield and, being able to just separate yourself, being different from other running backs um, in the league and other running backs that you know I was coming out with. I like that. You got to always be looking for your separation. What's your separation? How do you separate yourselves from the others? A guy who did that is a guy that you've studied, and he's one of my favorite guys ever. And that's Arian Foster. I'm curious, what was it about his game that you liked, and what have you learned from watching him? Oh, uh, the first thing I liked about Arian Foster is. Uh, just kind of the challenges that he been through. Um, right. You know, I believe he was an undrafted free agent. 
um, you know, which that don't matter, you know, name getting called on draft to free agent don't matter. If we're looking at the statistics, um, you know, undrafted, there's a lot of undrafted free agents that's in the Hall of Fame. So um, just him battling through that. Uh, he had fumble issues, fumbling problems. And he went, you know, he, he, he fixed that real quick and, and got over that, made the proper adjustments. And just how he ran the ball. Um, he ran the ball hard every play. Um, he was just able to do a lot of things, uh, catch the ball at the backfield very well. Um, people had him running at a certain time, and he ended up having, you know, home run speed. Uh, him just defeating a, a lot of odds, which uh, I feel like we share the same uh, similarities. Uh, just defeating odds that, you know, nobody really thought he would be what he was and things like that is what I really like about him. Uh, just his run style, how he ran, uh, the moves he had, how well he catch the ball. Just a back that can do it all. That's a, that's a great response right there because he, I appreciated his style. I appreciated his mindset and what he brought to it. And to your point, his background and that you did actually have a lot of similarities with him or do. For instance, your only offer out of high school was to a Division two school in Nebraska. The story goes that first year, that's not exactly what you were hoping for and you wanted to transfer, but that would mean going 1,000 miles away to California. What was that decision-making process like for you and your family? How did you approach that? Uh, it was tough. I mean, I was an 18-year-old kid, but I knew that my mom, she always said, we turned 17, 18, you know, you can make decisions for your life, uh, for yourself. Um, her job from there was just try to make sure that, excuse me, you don't put yourself in a, you know, a bad decision or put yourself in a bad predicament. So uh, I already made my mind up when I was going home for, for the winter break that I was going to leave because uh, I was connected to some junior college coaches already in California. And, and I like one of them a lot because um, when I got my first, when I first talked to him, he, he said the way you can catch the ball, um, your size, things like that. It was like, uh, you're going to be a Pac-12 running back. That's the first thing he said, said to me. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it's crazy. So, I already had made my mind up. I just like how truthful uh, my junior college was that I went to, Mount Sac, out in California, Mount San Antonio Community College. And um, I had went home, uh, went a break, and I just kind of broke the news to my mom um, that I wasn't going back to University of Nebraska Kearney. And, you know, she didn't really like the idea of that. Uh, she wanted me to still, I mean, I still had the same goal if I was going to stay at Kearney. Uh, you know, I already had a, a great situation, she felt like. But I just told her I wanted more. Uh, I wanted more. Uh, I believe I, I am what I am more than where I was at in life. So uh, she kind of understood. But at the same time, she still didn't want me to go. I just told my mom, you know, I told my cousin, my brother, because they was all in that situation. Uh, my mentor, John Waller, uh, part of the Big Brothers Big Sister program, that you know I was gonna bet on myself. Uh, and life is about taking risks and, and what you do with the opportunities that you get. So they was they didn't really like it, but they understood because I was old enough to make my own decisions. And then, you know, I ended up going to uh, junior college out in California, 2018 spring, and, you know, and, and just went from there. Dude, that is an amazing story. That That's a great, great story. I love the fact that you started that by saying that your mother taught you. When you're 17 and 18, you are old enough to make your own decisions. 
And then when you said to her, well, I've made a decision, and she said, I don't know if I like that decision, and you said, I, I got to do this. I got to do this. For those who don't know, Mount Sac is a legendary program. It's a great, great program out here. And then you come out here, and of course, you want to have a coach who believes in you, and you got a coach telling you, like, look, I love your game. I love your size. I love what you bring to it. You can play in the Pac-12. But that doesn't mean these were easy days. As an example, when you were out here, you worked at a recycling plant. You were doing gig work like assembling furniture or working concert security at Coachella, the Electric Daisy Carnival. I'm kind of curious, like, you clearly were a young guy with a plan, but what did those gigs, that kind of work, do to your mindset and your view of what you wanted to do with the rest of your life? Well, I was fortunate enough to meet a great man in my life, and, and that's what made me realize, because uh, as I was growing up, that's what made me realize how a lot of people just talking about just the connections you make to life. So I was fortunate. I was walking through the store. I was fortunate to meet uh, my god pops. His name is uh, Cameron Jones, and I was fortunate. I met him just walking to to the store in a parking lot, and, and he was walking. He was coming from Denny's, and he just stopped me. It was like, you know, you're a ball player. I can tell. I mean, I was a young, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid. I had tank top on and some shorts and some slides or something, and I guess he, he could just tell, and, and then we ended up chopping it up in a parking lot for a minute. And then he was end up, you know, he knew because I, you know, I told him I go to junior college up the street, just like that. He had ended up going to junior college out at Coffee Deal in Kansas, in Kansas, um, in the uh, Jayhawk League, and so he just kind of knew everything that I was going through. Uh, he was a, a, a guy from Florida, so you know, he ended up like you know offering me twenty dollars, and I was just looking at that twenty dollars like, you know, I, I'm not you know big fan of taking taking money or taking things from people. Um, and he was like, you know, it's kind of, it's okay. Like, you know, you don't owe me anything. Uh, I just like, you know, you need young, uh, young people in the world need help, you know, and it's okay to get help. And so I ended up taking that and we exchanged numbers and, you know, we, we ended up having a great relationship. He's still in my life now. And he helped me get jobs, some jobs, things like that. Um, uh, recycling plant. Um, I was working there with him and he helped me get, you know, the warehouse furniture jobs, things like that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing them jobs and, and, and we both know, because he was a part of my life as well, too, we both know, like, this is not what I wanted to be. Like, this is not where I see myself working a nine-to-five job. However many hours, some hours, I was going to work at five in the morning, um, you know, things like that, as well as I got, you know, football next week or whatever. And Saturday or, or you know, Sunday, I'm working at five in the morning, so it was just, Understanding, uh, you have to do whatever you, it was necessary in order to make it, you know, out of out of that hole that I was in in during college, and, and that's what it, you know, that's what it took. That's what it put my mind in. Even just going during college, I understood it. You know, it would either make you or, or break you, and I was one of them guys. I was not going to be broke. Rashad White's joining us. Another great, great story. So when you were at Arizona State, you were teammates with a friend of Jackson He. Now, you first met him when you joined the program. He's the first Chinese-born player to score a TD in FBS when he scored against Arizona in 2020. Earlier in that game, you had a chance to score, but you stepped out of bounds because you wanted him to have a chance to score. He finally got it later in that game. But why was it so important to you that he get that moment and that experience? Uh, for me, it was important because it was I was a guy that understood, you know, my talent and my ability. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it's not about you. It's about making people around you better. Uh, it's about changing others' lives. I know I would have a great opportunity to change my life for sure. 
Um, but I know I can, I can, if I could change somebody else's life, that's that's what separates. That's what makes you different. Um, so that was my biggest, that was my biggest whole goal: uh, is to change and have an impact on, on somebody else's life and make some, make the the people in my life or, or my teammates around me better. It seems to me like, and this is part of the reason why you're involved in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. What would you say to somebody listening right now, whether they're a possible big or a possible child, about getting involved in Big Brothers and Big Sisters? Why is that so critical, and why is that such a good opportunity? Uh, I feel like it's so critical because, um, you know, you don't know what, I mean, whatever someone is going through um, in their life. Um, you know, life is tough for parents, and, and and life is tough for, you know, kind of kids growing up. Uh, you know, kids seek attention, and, and they want somebody that really care about them to play with them and things like that. And I understand as a parent, you know, it's kind of tough. You know, parents be tired. They they do everything they can possible. Soft like the Big Brother slash Big Sister program. It helps you out. It helps you as a kid. Helps you get the attention and, and the play that you need and and just help you get a great mentor that guides you, help you guide you through life and you know. Um, you know, because you don't make bad decisions in life and, and you need a mentor there that, you know, can relate because everybody, you know, is, life is tough. So everybody don't, you don't make the right decision all the time, um, but you try to be the best possible version of yourself. And that's what life is about. Um, um, what you can get out of it, what you can get out of it and, and be the best version of you. So I say the Big Brother, Big Sister program, it helped me out a lot. Uh, help me get that right mentor, that right guidance, the right leadership that I needed in my life. And as well as had a lot of fun going to the park playing ball. That's why I can, part of the reason why I can catch so well, uh, playing catch all the time, every every weekend. And, you know, I had brothers and I had siblings in the house, so, you know, a lot of things helped me out. But just having that big brother take me for some ice cream on the day, I wasn't, you know, feeling so hot or you know, just being there, like I said, change change my mood of the day or change change the way I thought about things and, you know, my perspective on life. So, Rashad, one final thought. Just listening to you, hearing you, I've got a feeling that Tom Brady is going to appreciate your approach, your mindset, your process. And, I mean, you're going to share a backfield with the GOAT now. And so you know what that represents. I'm curious, have you heard from him at all? And what kind of expectations do you have of playing with him? Uh, no, uh, I haven't heard from him at all. I get a lot of them questions. It's funny. Uh, you know, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, you know, he's doing his thing, uh, whatever it is that, you know, he got to do. And I'm still doing my thing, training and doing what I need to do to be, like I said, the best possible version of me. And I mean, you know, uh, what I'm looking forward to for the Buccaneers, uh, I know they're going to put me in great situations, great spot. Uh, you know, my, my expectation, my goal is I'm going in there competing. Um, I want to be the star running back. Uh, that's how I go. I know I got Lenny in front of me, and uh, you know I'm gonna soak up a lot of knowledge from Lenny, Lenny in that running back room, Giovanni Bernard. That's just the type of guy I am. But you know I'm always a competitor first, um, and I'm just you know I'm just doing my job. Uh, whatever my coaches need me to do, whatever time need me to do, I'm, I'm just there to do my job. And like I said, be the best player I can possibly be, be the smartest player. And, and, and I know Tom can, you know, help slow the game down for me. I can learn a lot from him, even though we play different positions. And I can understand, um, you know, uh, just how to get better in certain ways, certain areas. And, you know, that's, like I said, soaking knowledge in and just learning. And that's, that's you know, that's that's life, you know. I got to grow. You know, I was in college, so I got to grow from college to my rookie year. My rookie year, I got to take another step to the next year, you know. But obviously you got to com- uh, complete the first step. 
of your journey and things like that, which is, you know, that's rookie minicamp next week and stuff like that. So I'm just taking it day by day, step by step, uh, getting it better each day than what I do in, in, on my craft. And, you know, I know uh, Tom, you know, he'll help me out in a lot of ways. I'll tell you what, you kind of chuckled when I said, have you heard from him? You said, yeah, people keep asking me that. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make it right. Next time I talk to him, I'm going to ask him if he's heard from you because I think that he needs you as much as you need him. All right, so I'll make that right. Appreciate that. You got that for a shot. Listen, great to have you on the show. Rare is the recent draft pick who can just hold up, hold down, 15-plus minutes on this show, but you just did, man. I appreciate you. Much respect and much appreciation. Great to have you on the show, Rashad. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you guys so much. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Darius Butler is joining us. So as a corner, let me start right there. What did you make of two cornerbacks going in the top five in Derek Stingley Jr. and Sauce Gardner? What does that say about where the league is right now, that corners are being valued that highly? Man, I love it. I obviously love to see it. You know, obviously all these uh, big-time receivers coming in, um, playing in a high level early. You know, teams are loading up two or three, um, you know, top, top-tier guys at the receiver position. Got to counter that, obviously, with pass rush um, up front for the defense and then guys that can actually get out there and cover him. And uh, Stingley, uh, he, you know, was banged up the last couple of years at LSU, uh, set out most of this year with an injury, but came back healthy, put on an absolute show um, at his pro day. And uh, went number three overall, you know, jumped up there at the top of the board to be the first cornerback taken. And then Sauce Gardner, the guy to Cincinnati, who checked every box, um, you know, since he, he stepped foot on campus in Cincinnati. I don't think he gave up a touchdown in three years up there. Um, so he's, you know, just as deserving to be the first corner off the board. But both of those guys going top five, um, I think is great for the cornerback position because we need to catch up to this wide receiver market. They've been breaking the bank lately. Um, Denzel Ward finally cracked that $100 million uh, deal, but he was a top five draft pick as well. So now we got two more. Uh, coming into the league, so it should do, you know, great for the position as a whole across the league. Darius Butler is joining us. All right, so in terms of the wide receivers, very clearly there are some teams that will pay big, big money for big-time wide receivers, but other teams that are not willing to do so. What do you make of the way some front offices are valuing established wide receivers as compared to the way others see it? You know, it's different philosophies and different builders, obviously. Um, and you see a guy like Devontae Adams moves from the Packers to the uh, Raiders, but, you know, the Packers were actually willing um, to pay him. But um, another other teams, like the Titans, for instance, they go and draft a guy in the first round, Burks, and say, hey, you know what, we can move on from a guy like A.J. Brown, who has been absolutely uh, tremendous since stepping foot in the league. So it really depends on, on your philosophy and how you value these guys. Um, there are a lot of receivers that come in ready to play and ready to contribute immediately. Um, but, you know, there are just as many misses, I think, high in the draft as well. So it really depends on your philosophy, how much you trust your scouting department, um, how much you love the prospect that's coming out. Uh, but guys are absolutely breaking the bank. Obviously, Christian Kirk went and got paid a lot of money. But, um, you know, A.J. Brown, 
Adams, Ty Hill went got seventy guaranteed. Diggs re re upped in, in Buffalo. So um, you know, they're getting paid. But uh guys are coming in, being able to contribute early as well too. So it really depends on how much you are, how much faith you have in your scout department department, your quarterback and your play caller. Darius Butler is joining us. Speaking of receivers, speaking of big-time receivers, Darius, what was your reaction to DeAndre Hopkins testing positive for a banned substance? Yeah, I mean, that sucks, man. And I know it's happened, you know, to guys. Sometimes you don't know, you know, exactly what you're taking or exactly what's in these things. And, um, you know, D-Hop has been in the league for, for a long time, for a decade now. Um, he's a guy that I played against a lot when, when I was in Indy. He was in Houston. He was a guy that rarely came off the field. Uh, just been around as many guys as I've been around the league. He doesn't strike me as a guy that would that would take some illegal substances. But you know, everybody deals with their own things. Um, it was probably an accident. Uh, obviously, he's been doing a lot, dealing, trying to get back on the field from injuries. But you hate to see a guy like that miss time. Um, the last I saw, he dropped his appeal, so he'll be just sitting out for for the six games, and you know, say he'll try to get to the bottom of it. You know, for me, you know, I take his word at it. Um, you know, other guys, other situations. Maybe not so much, but for D-Hop, um, you know, as, as of right now, I'm going to take his words for us. You know, that was a mistake, but I really, really hate to see it for him and obviously the Arizona Cardinals, especially after, you know, the move they made, um, you know, bringing in Hollywood Brown, which I'm sure they had to have, you know, some type of um, heads up that this may be coming down the pipe. Interesting. Darius Butler is joining us. Darius, what do you make of the Titans drafting Malik Willis and then Ryan Tannehill? This was a big deal yesterday, <laughs> making it real clear. Hey, man, it ain't my job to mentor this guy. What is your reaction when you hear that? Where do you come out? What side? <laughs> yeah, when I, when I heard it, I actually saw the reaction. You know, a lot of the people in the media and people on the timeline on Twitter reacting to it. And I said, you know, let me actually see what he said. And, you know, just seeing the snippet, not his whole press conference, anything like that. But even the snippet that I saw was probably maybe 40-something seconds. I didn't have an issue with it. Um, you know, been a great teammate, been a quarterback, been a captain. Uh, those, those things are about, you know, leading by example. Uh, more than anything, actually, you know, taking someone under your wing and being a mentor. Uh, I was fortunate to come to the league, and I had probably about five mentors that really took me under their wing until this day I can call and get on the phone and, and get some real guidance or advice. Uh, but that's something that someone has to want to do. Uh, someone has to uh, go above and beyond to do that, and that's not for everybody. So I didn't have a problem with, with Tannehill saying that, and at that quarterback position, it's only one of those guys that's going out there. It's only one of those guys that's going to take charge of that huddle. And I'm sure Tannehill probably sees himself like a lot of people outside of the building right now is, hey, maybe he's the weak spot on that team. Maybe he's the weak point on that offense. You know, they had a number one seed and, and had a terrible loss at home. And he also spoke about um, taking some time to get over. Um, so I honestly had no issue with it. And I also don't have a problem for other players, other fans who take issue with it. You know, I think it's to each his own. Um, but I had teammates who were great mentors, and I tried to be mentors to young guys as well. But I also had a lot of great teammates who were not mentors, and you couldn't get a hold of them outside the building. But when they were uh, in the building on the field, they were always going to handle business. So um, I had no problem with Ryan Tannehill's comments at all. Darius Butler is joining us. I'm going to go off the board for a moment. Anybody who follows you on Twitter knows you're a huge F1 guy. For those who oh, yeah. do not know, how did you first get into it? What do you like so much about it? Man, randomly a few, maybe a few months at this point, um, it might have been Saudi Arabia. They were doing a race, and I just caught the, the, the footage of it maybe two hours before the race and the lead-up and getting to know the drivers and the teams and then actually watched the, the race in its entirety. And, it, 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 and I, was, I was impressed, obviously, by the speed of the cars, but everything that went into the teamwork and the people on the radio and 
pit stops, just all of it. So then I went in, dove in, went to Netflix, watched Drive to Survive, and binged on that. And I've been kind of hooked ever since. I've been watching. I've watched a couple races, and obviously they're coming to Miami. They're in Miami uh, this weekend, and I've been fully tapped in. It's it's um it's clear why why they grow. You know why they've been growing so much in the states. Um, but it's a fun sport. You know it, it, the drivers, the 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 pit crew. Um, the managers on the radio hearing the actual driving and what they're going through, what they're seeing, uh, why they did certain things. And you see a car is going, you know, upwards of 200 miles an hour in and out of curves. So it, it's super exciting, man. I'm, I'm all in right now, Jim. All in. Darius Butler, I like that. I respect that a lot. Let me go off the board even further. You were recently tweeting about a book, Extreme Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Listen, Darius, I do an entire podcast in this space called The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. I know both these guys. I've spoken to both these guys. Jocko, especially to me, is one of the most fascinating human beings I've ever spoken to. His book, Discipline Equals Freedom, might be the best book. And if it's not the best book, Darius, I've ever read, it might be my favorite book. I think Extreme Leadership, the book you're talking about, is also incredible. What did you like so much about that book? And especially, I'm curious, coming from you, why that book resonated so much with you. Yeah, uh, extreme, you mentioned Extreme Ownership. So being with Belichick early on. Ownership, my um, bad, I, exactly. Extreme no, Ownership. You're good, you're good. So, you know, he... He has that military background from his father and just been around the military a lot. And you could tell by my pops was uh, in the Army as well. But you could tell how he ran his team. It was a lot of um, a lot of military background in it. And um, just the, the ownership from the leader, the decentralized command, actually putting people and empowering them to make um, leadership decisions in their own silos within the company or within the team. And you, as I'm reading the book, I'm like, wow, like, I feel like Belichick could have wrote half of his book based off how he did business. But it was just um, awesome from beginning to end, all these different lessons. And a lot of people like to compare, you know, football to war. That's something I would never compare the two because obviously you're dealing with life and death out there. But there are a lot of parallels when it comes to game plan and being prepared and dealing uh, with uh, a game plan after things go awry, dealing with the fog of war. It just all, it was so many lessons in there, whether you're playing sports, whether you're, you know, working in the office. Um, you can take so much from it, and um, I'm actually going to get into, I think it's the dichotomy of... Leadership. Uh, leadership. Yeah, dichotomy of leadership. Yeah, that's, that's the follow-up, I believe, from the book. But there's some great things. And bad, no bad teams, only bad leaders is one of the uh, chapters in there, one of my favorite chapters in there. Just a lot of lessons from it. Um, I'm actually uh, following both of the guys now on Twitter, uh, so I got to make sure I tap into the reinvention project more, too, and listen up. Oh, I think you'd like that, man. I appreciate you saying that. I think you'd like that. Have you read Discipline Equals Freedom yet? I have not. That was uh, was that one? Of, that was one of the chapters in the book, I, I believe, as well, That's, which obviously makes uh, so much sense. Oh, dude, you! I'm telling you, it's it, it's. Yeah. I love all three of the books, but that one's my favorite one. Jocko, Jocko is something else, man. He he is one of my favorites, and it, it's an amazing, amazing read. I'm not at all surprised that you'd be into that. In fact, I'm hyped that you're into that. Darius Butler, nine-year NFL vet, 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year for the Colts, and as always, pushing out really, really good content. He is the creator and host of the Everything DB Show. You can see that on YouTube, co-host of the excellent Man of Man podcast, DB Darius Butler. Darius, thanks so much, man. Great to have you back. You know I appreciate you. Hey, anytime, man. Thanks for having me back, Joe. You got it. Great talking to you. Hey, guys, why don't we talk about something that you probably don't think about very often, but you should. Skincare. 
skincare. It can be complicated, especially for men who have never had a skincare routine. That's where Tiege Hanley comes in. Tiege Hanley is a men's skincare company that helps guys start and maintain a healthy skincare routine by making the process uncomplicated. Every box comes with an instruction card. Every box comes with an instruction card that tells you when to use each product, how much to use, and in what order. It's that simple. In fact, you know what? Start with the level one system because that is the easiest way to get it going. And it comes with all of the basics that guys need to take care of their skin. The products included are a face wash, an exfoliating scrub, an AM moisturizer, and a PM moisturizer. A daily face wash to get rid of the dirt and grime on your skin. And two times per week, exfoliating scrub to get rid of the dead skin cells. Plus the AM moisturizer rules and the PM moisturizer helps your skin stay hydrated and healthy throughout the entire night. I love it. Now I've got a plan. Now I've got a process. Now I've got a product. And you should too. And especially right now because Tiege Hanley is sponsoring this episode and they're offering an amazing deal. Just go to Tiege.com slash Rome and you'll get 30% off your first box plus a free gift. That's T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. An amazing deal. Tiege dot com slash Rome. It is time now for the beef segment. We do it every single Wednesday. It does change within the body of the program, but it is every Wednesday. And it's brought to you by Old Trapper. Not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered all come in four-ounce bags. You can sample different flavors. To find the best one for you, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky can bear us. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You can beef about anything you want. Really quickly, I want to say this. On the phones, if it's a legendary beef, I may give you a golden ticket. I'm not sure we've ever given a golden ticket off a beef call. In fact, I'm going to assume that we have not. All right, let's do this. If you're on hold, stay there. We always start with the social media beefs because they are always better. Jim, my beef is with the geniuses in the war room on draft day. After their celebration, the cameras go to the war room to show the high fives and fist pumps of celebration as if they just won the Super Bowl. I can just see Bobby Bethard, June Jones, and Kevin Gilbride jumping for joy and high-fiving each other as they just got over on the Colts and their selection of Peyton Manning. We got him, boys. We got Ryan Leaf. War coaches laughing at other coaches' selections. Ron in Colorado. Romy. <laughs> my, my beef is with the knob in public who says, somebody's not happy. Whenever a baby starts crying, it's the triple U of all jokes, yet someone always says it. Thanks. Blake in Denver. Hey, Jim. My beef is with my, pro- my wife's products in the shower. I have one bottle. Meanwhile, she is at least in double figures. I can't turn around without knocking a half a dozen shampoo bottles off the shelves. What is all that crap? Sign Casey, New Hampshire. Broham, ask her, not me. I'm not in your shower. I don't know. Jim, my beef is with the LA Tourism Guide. The map of the stars includes Hef's house, OJ's place, I Ray's box, Matt's portolet, and Silk's volleyball spy tower, but no sign of Alvy's Pound Town Palace, Chalk's haunted house, or Ritz gravesite. 
Damien in Greensboro. Well played. Jim, my beef is with Gordon Ramsay's Master Chef Jr., a six-year-old kid preparing beef wellington with caramelized garlic and shallots, forest mushrooms, and truffle oil, served with heirloom vegetables and cognac cream. Yeah, right. At that age, none of my three kids could pour a glass of milk without making a mess. A four-foot-tall child making a creamy Parmesan cheese risotto with a hint of white wine. Bullshirt. I ain't buying it. Brian in Detroit. I like that one. Dear Van Smack, my beef is with those who beef about their wives. What a wonderful and romantic way to treat the only woman willing to breed with your sorry ass. You do realize that you're ripping her on a nationally syndicated talk show with millions of listeners. And to think that you once made a vow to honor and cherish her. Mix in some marriage counseling, loser. And find something else to beef about. Mike in KC. Mr. Rome. My beef is with my wife. Of course. My beef is with my wife. We pay a lady to clean our house. Instead of doing a touch-up between cleanings, my wife waits till the day before she comes back to clean the house. War the chicken man. Garrett in Utah. Janet's funny. We have a, quote, cleaning person. Janet cleans things up so the cleaning person doesn't have to. I'm like, huh? Huh? I mean, it's all right. Like, we don't leave. I don't want to make it sound like we leave everything for the cleaning person. But Janet does it so the cleaning person doesn't have to. That's Dodger Jano. Dear Jim, my beef is with the guy at work that describes everything as being orgasmic. Dude, the waves today were orgasmic. No, it's not orgasmic, dude. Are you trying to tell me that if I eat this cookie that I'm going to blast off in my pants? New object, object, adjective, please. New adjective, please. I was too taken by the line before it. Are you trying to tell me that if I eat this cookie, I'm going to blast off in my pants? New adjective, please. Gordo. Yeah, that's never happened. And I, I'm a cookie guy. That's never happened. Jimothy, my beef is with pushtop public restroom faucets. First, when I push that grimy-ass button, the water flow comes out equivalent to Niagara Falls. Then water will splash all over my pants, <laughs> making me look incontinent. Worst of all, though, is trying to soap up. If I want to wash my mitts, I need to have hands faster than Oscar de la Hoya to get to the water because it shuts off the second I stop holding that GD button. F you push top faucets. Eric in Colorado Springs. Again, you callers have no chance of keeping up with this stuff. This is good. Rome. My beef is with cheap paper towels. You tear off a sheet and maybe two-thirds of it comes off. 
Then you carefully try to tear off the rest of the sheet, and a chunk of the next sheet comes off. This is unacceptable. To manufacturers of cheap paper towels, I say cheap ain't good, and good ain't cheap. Get your heads out your asses and get in the game. Tom in Virginia. Jim, my beef is with the emergency alert system. Why is it that in invariably happens during a good TV show or song on the radio. Monday morning, I'm running an errand to which I time to coincide with your interview with Charles Robinson. He's starting to answer a question. When the familiar and dreaded tone begins, I'm like, no, you got to be effing kidding me. Hey, morons, why don't you run that test in the middle of the night? Stephen Stockton. Hey, Rome. My beef is with the manager at Arby's berating the cashier for giving too many packets of horsey sauce to the customer. He actually used the phrase, horsey sauce doesn't grow on trees. This guy's acting like the cost of horsey sauce comes out of his own wallet. Leave the kid alone, pops. He's giving the customer what he wants. Extra HS. Chad from Orlando. Which brings me to my beef. My beef is with sushi restaurants hoarding the wasabi. I mean, how expensive can wasabi be? Pisses me off to no end. I get the sushi home, and there's just this tiny, tiny little dollop. Or even worse, they've taken to jamming wasabi into packets like soy sauce. I'm like, come on. That specialty roll that I just threw down 20 bucks for, can you give me a little bit bigger green ball of wasabi? Is it that hard to come by that stuff? Shut up, Rit. Rit's like, how much do you use? More than they're giving out, Rit. I don't know, Rit. How many Almond Joys do you eat per sitting? Shut up, man. Now, I mean this. I, I mean that. Shut up, man. I take this very seriously. Give me my wasabi. It's not like I need that much. I just need some. Believe me, if you have too much, it blows out your your nose membrane. I need some. Jim, my beef is doctors, nurses, and athletes who smoke. Great example. Thanks. BZ in Pensacola. P.S. How about shenanigans for a horse name? Doctors who smoke. I'll never forget one night. I can't remember what it was. I was going out there with the fellas, and I was pretty sick, sore, sore throat. And I was on Ventura Boulevard, and I went to one of those dock-in-the-boxes. It wasn't my actual MD, but it was like an urgent care center or one of those just dock-in-the-boxes. And I see this old guy in the back parking lot, man. He's like literally lighting one heater off another. I'm like, man, I hope that old guy's not the dock. And sure enough, I go inside, I wait, I wait, I wait, and there he is, same guy, the doctor who was smoking moments ago. And I'm like, oh, great. So I say, hey, doc, I got a question. Uh, number one, I'm, I'm sick. Can you give me something? And he says to me, looks me over, looks me up and down, kind of a funny old guy. I mean, funny old guy, probably a three-pack-a-day old doctor. And he says to me, nah, what you have is probably viral. I'm like, can I drink tonight? He goes, drink all you want. I'm like, really? He said, Sure. I don't have anything I can give you, and it's not going to make it better anyway. It's viral. Drink all you want. I'm like, great. Go smoke all you want, Doc. Romeus, my beef is with all the... A true story, by the way. 
My beef is with all the members of the JTP beefing about Greg Norman. That is low-hanging fruit. It's unfair that he gets the shaft. Anyhow, I'll catch you on the third leg of the show. Signed, 12 Wood. Hey, Wood, you trying to book my son to be on your podcast and going around my back to do it almost got you banned. That combined with that could probably get you banned. You're pushing it, dude. Jimbo Jackson. My beef is with people who fight over Star Wars and Star Trek. In that fight, you're both losers. Stop worrying about battles in space and start worrying about the literal space in between you and the opposite sex since they have another restraining order on you, dork. V in the fee. You know what, V? You've had a lot of crap that you've sent me. I like that one. That made me laugh. Stop worrying about the space in space and worry about the actual space between you and the opposite sex that threw down a restraining order on you. Doggy dog. My beef is with lay down bicycle guy, a.k.a. recumbent bike. I go running around my neighborhood a few days a week, and I keep seeing this pompous bag riding around in a lay-down bicycle. He's got the full Spandos on, Oakley sunglasses, and helmet. Out of curiosity, I looked up the price of these things, and they're going for about three grand a pop. You can get a Peloton for cheaper. Either get up and run or ride a normal bike. Get off the ground, lay down bike bag. Chris in Toronto, 22-year clone. Dan in the Bay. Romy, my beef is with Roger Dorn's wife in the movie Major League. When she takes Rick Vaughn to Pound Town, only to leverage that as revenge by telling Roger right before the big game to mess with his head. I just hope the wild thing wore a rubber. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with some illiterate pooch bitching about whether or not I eat delicious poutine. Hey, dog, worry about the poop you drop and consume daily. Bella B in Calgary. Rome. My beef is with nationally syndicated sports talk hosts who have unknown off-air life issues that prevent them from coming out of a break in a timely manner. Regards, Alvin. He was fine with it. He just didn't understand it because it had never happened before. That's why he was on all fours underneath the camera, sneaking into the studio to going, dude, can you not hear me? Obviously not, dude. Rome, I have a beef. My beef is when I turn on my favorite sports personality. He's looking around not doing anything. If I wanted to watch someone not doing something, I'd watch tape of Urban Meyer coaching the Jags. Chris in Scottsdale wore Cindy's mug. All right, again, it's not that I wasn't doing anything. Obviously, I was doing multiple things. I just wasn't doing the show. I just wasn't doing the thing they pay me to do. I was doing lots of different things that I haven't gotten into, which is why I wasn't there on the rejoin. All right, let's go to the phones. Good news is 
I can float this out if the calls are good enough. Let's go to Wyoming. Thomas in Wyoming. And again, I said, if you have a really good beef on the calls, I might hit somebody with a golden beef, a golden ticket. Thomas in Wyoming. Thomas, what's your beef? Jim, my beef is with light bulbs, light bulb manufacturers, and these clones that are creating a market for these light bulbs. I work as a line cook in a local brewery, and the light bulb burns out above the grill. Tell the boss um, we need a bulb. I got to get some from the store. A week later, there's still no bulbs. I take matters in my own matters into my own hands. I go to where doers do. Ah, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. You don't like that cup. I don't like that cup. Get in, get out. Get in, get out. Get in, get out. Your beef is with light bulbs. State your beef. State why it is. Hang up. And then the next day, and then the next week, and then the next month, and then the next year. And then the boss says to me, and then, and then by the way, let me go back to Edison for a minute. Bro, get in, get out. Not a good sign that that was the first one that Chalk directed me to, because the first one normally is the best one. Let's go to Mike in Indiana. Hey, Mike, what's your beef? Romy, I don't to be on the jungle, buddy. Hey, it's Mad Max from 219 in Indiana. My ah! You don't like that call. Mad Mac? Like that call. Or Mad Mike? Not a very good call. Mad Mac. I don't know, Mad Mac. That sounds to me like bad gloss. Now you're done. I, I would add now you to the list, and I will, but I don't have time for it right now. Wow, we're off to a horrible start. A guy who got run and a guy who self-glossed. In the beef segment on the phones. one 800 636-8686. Let's go to Green Bay. If anybody should understand, it's somebody in Green Bay. Patrick in Green Bay, what's your beef? Jim, I want to test your rule that you can beef about anything. My beef is with the music on your show. You got a metal head banging out the same three notes till my head starts to bleed. Now, your father was right. Jazz is the greatest music of this century. And I wish you'd uh, kind of class up and reinvent your musical tastes and uh, give it a try. You're not going to appreciate that. I did say you can beef about anything you want. Patrick, respectfully. And I do mean this respectfully. Not in a million years. Like, you know how it is with fathers and sons? Like, I thought that my old man didn't know what the hell he was talking about on so many different occasions. And in retrospect, he did know. And I was wrong. Music was not one of those occasions. Man, that was some garbage that he listened to. Garbage! And I say that as a man who valiantly fought cancer that I had great respect for. Extremely courageous guy, my dad. My old man was tough. Tough as bleep. And his music was as horrible as bleep. Like, this is the kind of crap that he subjected me to. Can you imagine me bumping that back in? We could talk about what I should bump back in. We should talk about how long we should bump it back in. But the one thing we would never, ever, ever entertain is that bullcrap getting bumped back in. I mean, nightmares of my childhood. Part of the reason I think I've had success in life is because the music my father listened to was so crappy. I mean that. Yeah, no, we're not changing that. Hey, Alvin, are you a metalhead? I wouldn't say that Alvin is a... First of all, when I ask Alvin, he's responsible for all the bumpbacks, the rejoins. Alvin's eclectic. We get we have some metal, but not a ton. I enjoy some metal, 
but I'm not a metalhead. They just work better as bumpers. This would not in a million years, my guy, work as a bumper. Listen to this. Alvin, let's just try this. Three, two, one. Live from Southern California. Yeah, right? This is the Jim Rome Show. That's a bullcrap show right there. No one's listening to that, dude. Except you. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to PA. Frank and PA. Good to have you, Frank. What's your beef? Hey, Jim, here's my beef. It's with those morons who want to cruise in the passing lane going under the speed limit while they're on their phones. Move over where you belong, idiot. And their next horse's name should be Dial, which is Italian for devil. All right, Frank and PA. For a minute, I thought that was Bob in L.A. And not Frank and PA. A couple of old angry guys. Sounds a little bit like him. Wow, this guy's back for more. The guy who normally starts his call with Jimmy, my man. Let's go to James in Portland. He understands how the game is played. James, my man. What's your beef? Jimmy, my man, what is up, my brother? And Alvy, happy hump day, you sexy bitch. Jim, my beef is with the Queen Ms. Nika turning me down at the Vegas draft party. I was the only tenderoni she spared this weekend, which really sucks because I took enough shaft sugar to last all weekend. I got into it yesterday. Not That's not James in Portland. That's the fake James in Portland. So we've got callers that have made a name for themselves on the program, and then we have faux callers who are mocking them. That's the fake James in Portland. Was that was that fake, fake James? I thought that was the fake James. Chalk says, no, that's not him. So now we have James in Portland and the fake James in Portland, and now the fake, fake James in Portland which is not to be confused with the side hustle and the side hustle to the side hustle. That guy actually sounded, that fake, fake James sounded more like James than the fake James did. The fake, fake one is much better, come to think of it. (laughs) Too much. What I don't need is a fake, fake, fake James. Now it's getting confusing. 1-800-636-8686. You know what? No, just keep going, Chuck. Who cares, man? I've already been... I already came back from a break where I wasn't here. How much more trouble can I get in? Let's try another one. Let's go to Boise. Ty in Boise. Ty, what's your beef? Romy, my beef is with my terrible hillbilly slash redneck town wannabe city there's too many head rednecks bumping their loud-ass mufflers. They're interrupting your takes, and I, I just can't take it, dude. I got to find me a new uh, metropolitan area, man. Have a great day. You too, bro. I hear you. That, that's a guy frustrated with his situation. My man, you got to just get up and move. I understand it's not that easy, but you just got to get up and move. He's got to get out of Boise.
All right, so I've got time for one or two more. I'm just kind of messing with the clock. Let's go to Madtown, Madison. Pete in Madison. Pete, what's your beef? Hey, Rome, how you doing? Good, dude. How are you? How are things in Madtown? Things are great here. We're taking care of everything in town, so your son's got a good place to go to school. My man, thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> yep. Okay, so my beef is with Lauren Michaels and the rest of the crew at Saturday Night Live. How is it that after 47 years of that show being on the air, they have never once had American comedy legend and icon Carol Burnett host that show? They need to get her on there before it's too late. She's 89 years old. Lauren Michaels, if you're listening, put Carol Burnett on your show. I'm out. You got it, Pete. That's kind of a random, different sort of beef. I feel you. He's like, man, she's an icon. Get her on before it's too late. That's like me having to get rid on this show before it's too late. Except I already have. Game on. We're just doing this, man. I'm just dragging this thing out. Not really dragging it out, but extending it. How about one more? Let's go to Tampa. Chris, you are going to finish off the longest beef segment we've ever had. But you know what? It went fast. Chris in Tampa. Chris, what's your beef? Romy, thanks for the vine. My beef is all these New Yorkers moving down to Florida. After post-COVID, you know, we're tired of it. All I hear is how good it is in New York. Go back to New York then. We're, Florida's full. Borders are closed, and we're good. My man, Chris in Tampa. That's a real beef right there. That's a real beef right there. All right. We got a lot of that here in Cali. All right. Nice job. Nobody got a golden ticket. There were some really funny moments, and I stretched that thing out to 25. A legendary beef segment. Once a week, only on Wednesdays. That's how you do it. The phones are still ringing, too. I love it. All right, so when we come back, the next segment, as you might imagine, is going to be a little bit shorter. But I do have the wherewithal to float that thing out. And by the way, on a day like today, there's no telling what I may or may not do. Like, hey, 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 remember that one time we came back from a break and I just sat there looking around? And Alvin and the guys on the other side of the glass were frantically waving at me? Good night, 